Our theme scripture is Ecclesiastes 12.1. Who can quote it for me? Theme scripture, yeah. Ecclesiastes 12.1. No, first, that was for the series we just did. No. This is our theme scripture for the year. What does it say? Ecclesiastes 12.1. Who knows? Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Who wants to add the other part? Before the evil days come. Is it hot in here? Judah, can you bring the temperature down? You know where the thermostat is, yeah. Just put it to maybe 64. Okay, so remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come. So there are two types of days talked about. The days of your youth, and then which other days? The evil days. The days of your youth, and then evil days. Did you know that your whole life is made up of these two days? The days of your youth and then evil days? Or you don't know? That's what the scripture is saying, right? See? Let's see the scripture. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. So it's talking about two days, right? In your life. The days of your youth and then difficult days. Correct? The days of your youth and difficult days. Just two. Everybody's life is made of these two. The days of your youth and difficult days. The days of your youth and difficult days. Two. Not complicated at all. Just two. The days of your youth and difficult days. And it's telling us we should remember who created us in the days of our youth. We shouldn't wait till we get to the difficult days. Because whether you like it or not, you are on your journey to the difficult days. That is the truth. <coughs> You're on your journey to the difficult days where it's almost like, what's up with this life? Why all this trouble? But if you find God in the days of your youth, it makes, when you enter into the difficult days, it makes life easier. Because now, it's not only you going through the difficult days, but it's you with God. How many of you know when you are with God, it doesn't matter where you are, it's the nicest place to be. Even if it's Afghanistan. If God is with you, if God is with you in Afghanistan, do you know it's much, much better than you alone in Florida? Did you know that? Of course it is. With God, when God is with you in Iraq, it's so much more better than you alone in Virginia. Right, Ruthie? Because, you know, what the Bible says in Psalm 16, Psalm 16, I believe, verse 8, it says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. <coughs> pleasures in God there is everything to be joyful about. And there is everything to be happy about in God. So, 
The challenge for all of us is to remember now. You know, why now? Because now you are in the days of your youth. Right now, you are in the days of your youth. You shouldn't put away finding God to later in life because the chances are you will not find him. Now is the time to figure out what is this whole thing about God that they are making so much noise about. You get it? Figure it out for yourself. Who created me? How did I come here? What am I here for? What am I going from here? You need to answer those questions for yourself. How did I come here? What have I come here to do? And where am I going from here? Are you just an accident? I don't think so. I don't think so. You know why I don't think so? Do you know how many sperms were trying hard to fertilize an egg in your mom's womb before you you were the one that won. Do you know how many spams? You told me, Millions. Millions of spams just before you were formed. Guys, listen. Just before you were formed, there were millions of people, right? People, they were the spams, who were trying, all trying to get to the, your mom's egg. They were all fighting, swimming, rushing, trying to get there. Are you all behaving like you, are not, you don't do biology in school? Do you study biology in school? I'm still in middle school. You are still in middle school, but you do science. Don't you do science? What grade are, what, what grade are you in? Um, grade 9. Grade 9. Grade 9. And Lincoln? Grade 11. And Jocelyn? Grade 10. So you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Millions of spams swimming, trying to fertilize the egg, right? Swimming, swimming, millions. They're all going for one egg. I mean, million people trying to go for one egg. And there is, do you know that it, when two spams hit the egg, it will not survive to be a miscarriage. You know that when you study biology. I did genetics at university. I studied genes, genetics, and biotechnology at the University of Toronto. So I know what I'm talking about, okay? When two sperms strike the egg, it's a miscarriage because it's not gonna form into a proper human being, so the body will discard it. For a pregnancy to happen, only one sperm must hit the egg. The moment it hits the egg, are you listening? Yeah. The moment it hits the egg and it fertilizes, it creates a shield around it so that all the other sperms cannot enter anymore. But in that one activity, millions of sperms are aiming for that egg. And do you know which sperm succeeded? That's you. The one that succeeded and formed you was you. That is why I believe you are not an accident. I mean, of all the one million people who were trying to be you, you came out successful. Right? So right, right from the beginning of your birth, you were a winner. Right? When you were born and then, you were already a winner. 
Right? You're already a winner. And so the question you have to answer for yourself is, why am I here? If I am not an accident, then why am I here? What have I come here to do? And where am I going from here? It is a question that every one of us must answer for ourselves. Amen? Guys, you're all welcome. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Good, good, good. So, remember now, your creator. Your creator. Your creator. Ransford, did you form your own eyes? No. How many of us decided the color of our eyes, what it should be? You are lying, Irina. <laughs> Nobody here formed themselves. No. You didn't. Somebody formed you. You got to remember him. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Remember I told you it's two, two periods. The days of your youth and then difficult days. The days of your youth and difficult days. The days of your youth and difficult days. The one you have to remember God in is the days of your youth because it's easier to discover God now. It's more difficult in the difficult days. Chances are you may never find him and it will be too late. Right now is your best time to find God. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 verse 8, it says, Seek the Lord. It starts from verse 6. Isaiah 55 from verse 6 to 8. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. There is a time when you can find God if you search for him. And there is a time even though you search for him, you will not find him. Hmm? I'm challenging you. Why do you think I'm here talking to you? Care. Yeah, because I care. And also, because when I was your age, I was looking for God. I searched for him when I was your age. If I messed up my life when I was your age, do you think I'll be here talking to you? I'll be somewhere boozing and smoking and doing yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Right? Um, I may not even be in church today. I may have gone to clubbing last night all boozed and just sleeping in the bed. If when I was your age, I wasn't looking for God. But because when I was your age, a teenager like you, I told you last time, when I found God, I said, I'm going to read the Bible. I don't care if I don't understand. I picked up the Bible. King James Version, you know how difficult King James is. D, thou, die, um, cometh, speaketh. King James English, confusing. But I said I'll still read it, whether I understand it or not. I read from Genesis to Revelation, highlighted things. Most of them I didn't understand, but I read it anyways. Because I did that, I drew closer to God. I could hear God. God was speaking to me sometimes through dreams. And now I'm here. I'm so excited that I know God. Because life loses its meaning 
without God. Okay? So, we started... <laughs> we started um, a series last two weeks. Last week we were at camp. And we had a great time, to be honest with you. Those of you who were not at camp... You really miss. Did they miss? Those who are not at camp, guys who are at camp, do those who didn't come, did they miss? Yes. Yeah. Say, say it louder. Did they, did they miss? Yeah, if Irina says you missed, then you really missed. It was fun. It was powerful. God touched us. Something actually happened to everyone who was there. Everyone. There was not one person who was left out. Everyone got something. And you guys who are at camp, listen to me. Take that experience seriously. Okay? Take it seriously. Remember before camp, I told you, if you come to camp, your life will never be the same again. Remember I, was, I kept saying that to you guys? Yeah. And we went to camp and God visited us. If you take it seriously, your life will not be the same. You will always refer to that camp and say, that is when it all began for me. Okay? Now, if you were not at camp, don't feel too bad because the same God who was with us there is here with us. Okay? And he will touch your life too. You just have to be a diligent seeker. Diligent seeker. What are the four things that diligent seekers do? Number one, diligent seekers have faith to have faith to, to overcome sin. Have faith to please God. Diligent seekers build up their faith by praying in tongues. And diligent seekers have faith to endure difficult seasons. Difficult seasons. So last two weeks, we started talking about true story. And um, we looked at what God wants us to do about poverty. Last two weeks, I just introduced it. We're going to get more into it today. Poverty is true and is real in our world today. You all agree? What do you have in your hand are just poverty facts. 400 million children live in extreme poverty. Do you have an idea what 400 million is? How many of us know the population of Ghana? We're not even 40 million. Yeah, somewhere between 25 and 30. That's the population of the whole Ghana. Right? And we're talking of 400 million children living in extreme poverty. Children. 17,000 children die each day, the majority from preventable causes. 17,000 children are dying today. 17,000 are dying today. 17,000 will die tomorrow. 17,000 are dying every day. 17,000 children. 783 million people in developing countries are without access to clean water. So you see the water that you guys drink? 
sometimes when we close, I see half drunk bottles. You just, just open it and drink just a little bit. And the rest is waste. Because who was else going to take that and put that in their mouth when I didn't open it? Do you get it? So it's waste. Clean water, we throw it out and we throw it out in the waste. But there are 783 million people who are drinking water from a mud. Brown water. Right? 58 billion primary school age children worldwide, 58 million, will not attend school. Every minute, someone dies of malaria. About 2.2 billion people live on less than $2 per day. What's your pocket money? $12 a day. How much does mom or dad give you for school? A day? A day, no. 25 for the week? So that's like, what, $5 a day, right? For five days in the, in the school week. So $5 a day. 2.2, so you are richer as you are. You are richer than 2.2 billion people in the world. What's the world's population? Almost 8 billion. So 2.2 billion, that's about one third of the world, right? So you are richer than one third of this world. Isn't that amazing? So maybe we should start calling you rich, rich, rich girl, rich guy. Because you are really wealthy. <coughs> Each day, more than 7,000 newborns in developing countries die. This is just newborns. We're not even talking about the millions that are killed through abortion. Okay? These are facts of poverty. So when we talk of poverty, guys, listen. When we talk of poverty, it's so easy to, yeah, that's nothing to do with me. It doesn't bother me. I'm okay. If people are drinking from mud water, what's that to me? I, I got water in my home. can just open the sink to, just to brush my teeth, and the water will be going down. Nothing to do with me. Why, why are we talking about poverty? I don't think so. We will find out <coughs> we have something to do with us or not. Now, in this series, we are trying to look at poverty in a different way. Okay? So, just stay with me, okay? Stay with me. It's going to be exciting. We're going to look at poverty from a different spectacles, different angle altogether, not like what we always think of poverty. We want to understand how this world came to be this way. We want to see how God's plan for restoration is and how we fit into that plan. Okay? So that's what this whole series is about. Remember last week, I remember asking you what poverty is. We talked about, um, is it lack of resources? Is it lack of money? A rich, can, can a rich person be poor? I asked you that question, remember? Can a rich person be poor? Who wasn't here last two weeks? Emmanuel, so I'm asking you that question. Can a rich person be poor? Yes. <laughs> Beverly told you to say yes, <laughs> and you said yes. Now, you tell me why you said yes. Uh -huh. 
can a rich person be poor? Uh, he also said he could be poor in spirit. But Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. Or oh, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. So I don't think necessarily being rich means you are poor in spirit. Uh-huh. Can a poor person be rich? Can a rich person be poor? So you see, I'm trying to get you to begin to rethink what we usually think of poverty. We think of poverty as, I don't have any money, I don't have a nice house, I don't have a nice car, I don't have the food I want to eat. I want to eat, um, what? What's your favorite food? <laughs> What's your favorite food? Jollof rice with what? Chicken, roasted or fried? Roasted chicken with some salad on the side, right? Jollof rice. I mean, guys, listen. My wife makes very, very good jollof. How many of you know that my wife's nickname is Jollof Lady? <laughs> she makes very good jollof. So if you are nice to me, I can hook you up so that she'll make nice jollof for you. Okay, but being poor does not necessarily mean I don't have the food that I want to eat. Okay, so let's see. We want to understand what poverty really is. How did poverty actually start? Okay, how did poverty actually start? And what role can we play to make a difference in our world concerning poverty? Because like you see, as we saw in the poverty facts, poverty is everywhere. I mean, 2.2 billion people live on less than $2 a day. I mean, what can you do with $2 a day? Right? 2.2 billion people. I'm a wealthy man. <laughs> I'm, I'm wealthy. When you compare me to the rest of the world, I am a very, very wealthy guy. Anyway, so last week we looked at Isaiah 58, where it talked about, Irina, read for me. Is it not the path that I have chosen to lose the bonds of wickedness and view the heavy burden, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring your house, the, the poor, poor, wait, and you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you cover them, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Mm -hmm. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then you're like, shall. Why? Is she laughing or crying? <laughs> She's laughing. Irina. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, verse 10. If you extend your soul. Um, to the hungry and satisfy the hungry soul. Uh huh. You try and finish. Try and finish. Try and finish. Uh huh. The darkness and your darkness shall be as the day. noonday. All right, Irina always has something different happening with her. So, anyway, look at the stuff that I put in yellow the bonds of wickedness, the heavy burdens, yoke, the hungry, the poor, the naked. 
your own flesh, the afflicted soul. This is God speaking. Okay? And he's talking about the bonds of wickedness. Did you ever think that poverty was a result of wickedness? Yes. In what way? How do you think wickedness can lead to poverty? Oh, yes. Because us humans are wicked. Yeah, give me an example of something. Like, if I were, like, okay, not me. Mm -hmm. Like, someone walking down the street, like, and they see someone on, like, on the ground, like a homeless person, and they ask them for money, like, oh, no. Or they don't even mind them, they just, like, ignore them. That's wicked. That's wicked. That's wicked, yeah. Yes. Um, let's say like someone's gambling or something, and then slowly like they start selling their stuff, and then eventually they start selling their houses to get more money to gamble, and then they end up on the streets. And they end up on the streets. So through the gambling thing, they end up becoming poor, and now the rest of the family is poor and homeless. Right. Right. How about this side? What kind of wickedness can bring poverty? Yes. War. War. Exactly. War. That's a good one. Right? Could have, you could have all the money with just war in your area. Everything raised down to zero. Okay? There could be some people sitting behind a computer... And they transfer all your money from your account into their account. And you wake up in the morning and you have zero money. <laughs> right? Wickedness. Wickedness. And people are poor and suffering. Do you get it? So, you know, we always think when we see poor people that they are lazy. Who, who has had that thought before? You see someone begging on the streets, oh, these guys are lazy. They don't, they don't want to work. This is Canada, the land of opportunity. Ontario, yours to discover. And they are lazy, that's why they are poor. We always think that way, but it's not true. It's not true. Some are lazy, but not everyone. So we saw that God is concerned about the poor. You see, he's telling his people, so-called Christians, so-called people who worship God, they come to church nicely dressed, like I'm dressed in my nice suit, right? Nicely dressed, and say, Well, we are coming to worship God. We're coming to worship God. But meanwhile, there are people who are suffering. And I say, I have no time for them. It doesn't bother me. We're talking about people who are poor. It doesn't bother me. People who are drinking brown water. It doesn't bother me. I have water in my home. I'm okay. God has blessed me. Are you with me? Hello? God has blessed me. I'm okay. I have prayed to God. God has shirami. Right? God has shirami. You know? You know shirami. God has shirami. It means God has blessed me. <laughs> right? Uh, now you see, God is concerned about the broken hearted. God is concerned about the poor. God is concerned about those who mourn. You see that God is not so much looking at why are they poor? Why are they broken hearted? We human beings like to think that way because we easily want to judge people. Right? You see somebody who is poor asking for money. What's your business trying to find out why is he poor? That's none of your business. Just help him. He's hungry. He needs food. Why do you want to know why he's hungry? 
He's hungry. You know, God, he's just talking. He said, he said I have, he's, the Spirit of the Lord, is, this was a prophecy about Jesus Christ. Right? This was one of the first scripture that Jesus read when he came on the scene. He picked up the Bible and Beverly, you're disturbing me. You guys, okay, everyone, please don't be on your phone, okay? All the scriptures are here. All right? What was I saying? This is the first scripture that Jesus quoted. Luke chapter 4, if you read verse 18, Jesus went to, the ch he went to church. Je you know Jesus went to church, right? Jesus went to church. He was sitting down. The teachers or the pastors at the time were there. They had done whatever they had done. They didn't have any more preaching to do. You know, when you are not connected to God, you don't have anything to say. So the pastors at the time, they were not connected to God. So their small message, they finished. And the service still was not done. And so they were all there. And then they looked at Jesus and said, uh, do you have something to share? <laughs> and Jesus got up and picked up the Bible. It was a scroll. And the Bible says he looked for the place where this scripture was. So, you know, Jesus knew the Bible. He knew where to find what in the Bible. You have to also be like him. You have to know where what is. So he opened to the place. Bible says he found the place where Isaiah was, had written this and he began to say, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the rich. Is that what it says? The good news is to the poor. The poor. Okay? So God is concerned about poor people. And what we are trying to do in this series is to begin to define who really are the poor. Okay? And God is concerned about broken-hearted people whose hearts are broken. You know, there are many ways your heart can be broken. And you find a young man or a young lady that you love. You so much love this person. And then they wake up one morning and they say, Hey, Jimmy Joe. I don't like you anymore. Um, I'm not interested in you anymore. I want us to go our separate ways. You realize that your heart will be broken. Right? Another way your heart can be broken is when your dad disappoints you and wakes up and tells you, hey, I love you, but me and mom, we're not getting along. So we are going our separate ways. You know, your heart can be broken because you so much look up to your dad. And how come they can't work things out and they are separating? What's not going to happen to me? You see, it can break your heart. Or a very good friend who you confided in, trusted in, all of a sudden turned around and stabbed your back. You know what I mean by stab your back, right? Not like they took a knife and stabbed your back, but they spoke against you to your other friends and betrayed your trust. can break your heart. God is concerned about anyone who is brokenhearted. No matter what has led to that broken heart. God is concerned. Right? There are people who never know who their father is. There are people, I don't know, maybe some of you. There are people, not, even if not some of you, in your classroom. 
There are people who are there, they don't know who their dad is. They're brokenhearted. God cares about them. He says to proclaim freedom. Liberty is freedom. Freedom to the captives. There are people who are in captivity, bound. Last time I was telling you there are some of your friends who are doing drugs. And you see them and you easily judge them. Don't do that, you know. Some people are doing bad things, but in their hearts they really want to stop. They really want to stop, but they are bound. They are, they are, they are bound. They are captives. But God wants to set them free. Amen. And so today, we want to look at what is really wrong with this world. What is really wrong with this world? Do you all agree that there's something wrong with the world? Yes. I mean, all these examples that I'm giving you, it is telling that there's something wrong with the world that we are in. What is really wrong with this world? That's what we want to look at. So, three groups. One, two, three. One, two, three. Oh, we did this in the morning. We are going to skip it. We are going to summarize it, actually. So, um, group one. Wait, wait, wait. Group one. Who was in group one? Beverly, tell us what Genesis 1, 1, 2. Yes, but Beverly, tell me. What did you learn this morning? Okay, you want me to summarize it? Summarize it. Just summarize it. Okay, so we Genesis chapter 1. Guys, listen. To chapter 2. It's just the creation. And like how God made the earth mm-hmm. in seven days. And it's, yeah, that's And what did you learn? What one thing did you learn? What stood out? Uh-huh. The fact that God created this whole world in seven days. Well, basically six and he rested on the seventh one. Okay. And what, what really was going on in that relationship? Um, it was between man and God. Uh-huh. And he created man in his own image from the just personally. Personally. The difference between taking a picture of you and drawing you. If I draw you and it looks exactly like you and I took a picture of you. Of course, it's going to look like you because a picture. But I actually sat down, did a drawing of you. The two of them, which of them will you appreciate more? The drawing. Because my heart has gone into the drawing. My skill has gone into the drawing. Every part of me has gone into the drawing. So the drawing means more to you than just a picture. Clap. Right? It's the same with you. Everything else God created, he just spoke and it came. He just spoke and it came. He just spoke and it came. Even all the animals, he just spoke. Let that be and then it came. When it got to you and I, God actually rolled his sleeves, got underground, took the soil and began to form. Began to form everything. Began to shape. That's how much you and I meant to him. He is in the thing. You know, his whole heart is in the making of us. That's how important we are to God. Do you get it? That's how come the devil doesn't like us. Do you know? The whole thing about the devil's rebellion was because of us. Because God decided to make us look like him. And the angels didn't look like him. So, in Genesis 1, we see God has a very strong passion 
intent to establish a relationship with us. That was what was in his mind when he was making us. And Genesis 2, what did we learn, Anel? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Louder? No, it talked about Eden and. Um, Can you hear Anel? Yeah. Why doesn't Irina say it? What? I talked about it. Say it louder, Anel. <coughs> uh huh. And how God uh, created uh, Eden and how He was creating like the tree with the fruits in it, and also especially talking about the forbidden fruit and um, how it, it has. Um, if you eat it, you'll get um, wisdom, wisdom and become like God. Yeah. And also, it was talking about how um, God gave um, Adam the dominion over all the earth and allowed him to name all the animals. And right. That. And it also talked about how God created Eve because Adam was only Right. So we see that a certain relationship was developing. God didn't just put himself into making us. But after he made us, he went the extra step to give the whole world to us. And I was telling those who are here in the morning, how would you like it if on your birthday, I say I give the city of Toronto to you as a gift? Everything in the city of Toronto is for you. Wouldn't you love it? No. Come on. <laughs> I don't want a city. Every, I you, want you want a nation? I want <laughs> Everything in it is yours as a gift. I mean, come on, guys. Think of it. The whole world belongs to God. He decides who to give it to. He created Adam and said, hey, guys, here, this whole thing, I just made it for you. It's my gift to you. Rule the earth. Have dominion over the earth. Amen, Judah. <coughs> so it tells us God invested in this relationship okay and you are going out with a guy who doesn't want to pay for lunch when he takes you out but he says that he really likes you uh, you, you see he, he's not serious isn't it he's not serious if he's really serious and he takes you out for lunch he, he should pay for you wouldn't you would you want him to pay for you yeah you should pay for you. I mean if you can't pay for my lunch how can you take care of me when you marry me? Right? So, guys, you have to study hard so you can make money, so you can pay for lunch when you take the woman you want to marry out. Otherwise, they will look at you and say you are not serious. <laughs> right? So, God wants to build a relationship with us. Look at the investment he gave, the whole world. He gave it to Adam. That's how much serious God was in developing this relationship. Okay? And then in chapter 3, Emmanuel, what did you learn? Genesis chapter 3. In chapter 3? Mm -hmm. That's when um, the serpent deceived Eve. Are you with us? Yeah. That's when the serpent deceived Eve mm -hmm. right, to eat the apple from the tree of good and evil. Mm -hmm. Right? The serpent told Eve how you'll become like God and your eyes will be open. Right? But once she ate it and she gave it to Adam to eat as well, they realized they were naked, right? Right. And they soon realized Are you guys listening? Yeah. yeah. What is he saying? He doesn't talk properly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, say it again, Emmanuel. Let me hear you from here. Are you listening? I can't hear you. Emmanuel, <coughs> louder. So in chapter 3, basically what happened, basically what happened is the serpent, okay, so in the garden they eat, right? The serpent deceived Eve, right? To eat from the apple, to, to, eat, from the, to eat the apple from the tree of good and evil, right? Yeah, it wasn't an apple. The Bible didn't say apple. All right, the fruit. The fruit, uh-huh. Right? Okay. And basically the serpent said that Mm-hmm. And you'll know what good and evil is. Right, but when they ate it, they realized they were naked. Right? So what went wrong in that re- nice relationship that God was trying to develop and he invested in that relationship? What really went wrong? Basically betrayed him because like, you know, they betrayed God. Yeah, because God told them something simple to do. Right. They just didn't do it. They just didn't do it. They broke it. Right. You see, if we are to get on a time machine... That will take us to the past, okay? So come with me on this nice, newly invented time machine. We're going all the way to the Garden of Eden, where God created everything, with Adam and Eve, they are there. Are you listening? What do you imagine before the relationship went bad? What, do you, what, what were some of the things that you think the world will look like? During that time when everything was nice, God was coming every evening into the garden, to have a conversation with Adam. It would be like what? Did you say it would be like China? (laughs) It would be beautiful. I mean, everything nice that you could think about. You see, that is really the world that God created. Where even the lion was harmless. Right? Everything God made was Perfect. Are you with us? Stay with us. Don't be distracted. Now, remember last week, or last two weeks, we met, what's her name? What's her name? Alisa. Not Lily. We met Alisa, and Alisa talked to us about what she was doing to address the issue of poverty in our world. And this whole series we are going through was something that Alisa has worked through. Okay? And she has something to say to us today as well. Before she does, she said you have a question. Did they like kill like sheep and stuff back then? No. God was there? No. There was no killing. There was no killing. It was just the herbs. We're all vegetarians. It was only after sin had come, then now God said, okay, you can eat the animals. And in the new Jerusalem, in the new heaven, there will be no killing. No, God has allowed it. As a result of the fall, God has allowed it. It's not a sin. It's even better if you're a vegetarian, but it doesn't score you points with God anyways. So just enjoy the meat. <laughs> right? Now, let's, let's listen to Alisa, okay? When I was growing up, I always had more than enough. My brother and I never had to wonder if there would be food on the table. 
We always knew we'd have a safe place to sleep, and we never had to question whether our parents had our best interests at heart. It took me a while to realize that this is not the norm. All you have to do is go online and check your newsfeed to see that this world is a pretty broken place. Some people barely have enough food to eat, while others have more than they know what to do with. Crime and addiction, depression and anxiety, these are everyday realities. Parents divorce and families fall apart, while governments collapse and terrorists make people live in worry and fear. I used to wonder whose fault this was. And then I started learning about poverty. I used to think that poverty meant not having enough money. I'd see images of people starving in Africa or a homeless person sleeping on the street. And I'd think, that's poverty. But I didn't see it in my own life. It didn't seem close enough to affect me, but I still felt like something was wrong. Like something was lingering just below the surface. I asked my parents once whether they experienced poverty when they were growing up in the Philippines. Like many countries around the world, the Philippines has a big gap between the rich and the poor. And my parents were not poor. In fact, they didn't pay much attention to poverty in the Philippines. They were taught that people are poor because they're lazy, it's their own fault, and they don't deserve help. I think many of us think this way. But what my parents learned later, what I've been wrestling with, is that poverty isn't just about a lack of money or food or opportunities. Those are just symptoms of a bigger problem. Poverty happened when we fell away from God. It crept into the world at the same time that sin did. Our world is broken because our relationship with God is broken. Poverty is not restricted to those who are physically poor, although that's a major part of it. Poverty exists among the wealthy too, as they pursue riches instead of God. Poverty lies to all of us, making us feel like God doesn't love us or that we don't need him, and it breeds hopelessness. But in the middle of such a messy and broken world, God is our only source of hope. He's always the same and he will always come through. Because even though our world is broken and things aren't the way they should be, we have a God who loves us. One who made a way to fix this mess and make things right again. And to me, that's pretty hopeful. Okay, let's get the light. So, there's one scripture I want us to look at. She mentioned that poverty came when sin came into the world. I actually never thought of it that way. I had an eye-opener as I was preparing this. Amazing. Look at this scripture. Beverly, can you read for me? Genesis 3, 17 to 19. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, say, saying, 
you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, more? More. Both thorns and this thistles mm-hmm. it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For for dust you are, and the dust you shall return. Amen. Amen. So if you look at this scripture, before sin came, Adam didn't have to do anything. Everything was there. I mean he still had to work, but he didn't have to work to eat. He had to work as a hobby. You know, because all everything was there. He was just working just so he's not bored. But after sin came into the world, God cursed the ground. Are you two with us? What did I just say? God cursed the ground. God cursed the ground. You are lucky that you heard something <laughs> small. After sin came into the world, God cursed the ground. Right? And he says, in toil. You know what toil means? Hard work. Suffering. You will have to eat. So this was when poverty began. Because he says, both thorns and thistles, they will bring forth to you in the sweat of your face. You will eat bread. Now, it, it, man had to struggle to survive. That was the beginning of poverty. So, so Liz, if I were to ask you a question... What brought poverty to our world? What would be the answer? Sin. Sin. It's sin that brought poverty. Okay? Now, the amazing thing is, God didn't want to leave us alone. So, in Revelation 21, verse 1 and verse 4, Joanna, can you read for me? Amen. So something is going to change in our world because God cares. Oh, scripture we read about in Isaiah. God cares about all this brokenness that's in our world. It came as a result of sin. Even though we disobeyed him, Adam disobeyed him, all of us disobeyed him. But God's not left us to ourselves. He actually has an amazing plan to restore the earth back to how he originally made it. Where there is no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more death. How he does this, we will find out. Okay? But I want us to understand that God cares. So we're going to talk about who cares. How does God respond to those in need? Let's read this scripture and I will have Nana to read for me. We're almost done, guys. <coughs> Louder. Of those who see and twist the words of the innocent. 
to another person for foreigners. You yourselves know how it feels to be for foreigners because you are foreigners. Amen. This is God giving command to how people should treat poor people. He says, do not deny justice to poor people in your lawsuits. Who cares that there are poor people in the world? And my answer is, God cares. Even though we disobeyed him and it's come as a result of sin, God's not left us to ourselves. He cares. And he wants you and I to care about poor people. When people, I mean, you look around you. Are poor people around us? Yes. And God doesn't want you to put your nose up in the air like you haven't seen them. And that you don't care. It's up to them. It's their life. God has been good to you. You live in a house. You have things that you want. God wants you to care. He's saying, don't deny justice to poor people. Do not accept a bribe. Do not oppress strangers. Okay? Now, see this other scripture. Run forward, read for me. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edge of your field or gather the plenty of your harvest. Do not go over your barnyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Amen. So here, God is actually making provision for poor people who don't have a farm to grow crops. So he's telling the rich, right? The rich people who have farms, when you have grown your crops and it's ready for harvest and you are going to harvest the crops in the farm and as you are taking the crops and some fall on the ground, he told, he told the rich, don't come back and pick those ones. Leave them for the poor people so that they can come and pick them, right? And intentionally also even leave some of the crops on the plants so that the poor people can find it. This was an instruction God was giving to people. As in intentionally leave something for poor people. Does it sound like when you are walking through downtown Toronto God is actually saying intentionally take some $5 and give it to the poor person. Does it sound like oh no that's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. Intentionally leave something for the poor. Intentionally. Because, you see, for the poor people God is talking about here, do you think God is trying to find out, um, only do it for those poor people who are really poor, not those crook people who are poor. God is not asking about why they are poor. He's just helping them because they are in his image. Amen? One last scripture and we will wrap up. Emmanuel Ampon, read for me. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. <coughs> this is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan that they have made to a fellow Israelite. Mm -hmm. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people, because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. You may require payment. You may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt your fellow Israelite owes you. However, there need be no poor people among you. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your own inheritance, he will, he will richly bless you. <coughs> if only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I am giving you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from them. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. 
If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Amen. Amen. So here God is saying to be generous in your giving. Amen. We have just a few minutes and I have to close the service. We're going to do a case study. It's just So the lunchtime says, at school, you notice this one student who never has lunch. He doesn't go home. He just doesn't eat anything. He tends to be easily irritated and has a hard time paying attention in class. One day, you ask him why, and he says, we don't have enough food in our house. Where is the poverty and brokenness in this story? They don't have any food in their home. Okay. Let's jump to number three. How would you respond? I decided to skip it. How would you respond? Uh-huh. Hey, princess will share her lunch with the person. Do you guys believe it? She said, my bad. She said, what? My bad. <laughs> Are you guys listening? What will you do, Emmanuel? <laughs> How many of us will share our lunch with such a person? You will? And you buy them food. But you know, these are real things that are happening around us. The only thing we are not seeing is that nobody is caring enough to ask why are they not eating their lunch? <laughs> or why are they not having any lunch? Everybody is busy with their own lives. Hey! Everybody is busy with their own lives. We're not caring to ask the question. Digging deep. Who are digging deep? Uh, oh. Okay, let me ask these guys. Digging deep. Last summer, you got to go on a mission trip to Haiti. Guys, listen. And you discovered that one of the hardest things for people was to get clean water. While you were there, you saw how wells and water filtration were very expensive compared to the money the locals made but comparatively cheap for your use of money. Now it's six months later and you're thinking about saving money for college. You don't know if you can actually do anything to make a difference. Do you think you can do something to make a difference? And what? Do you want me to go to three? Number three. Okay, number three. Yeah, so what would you do? It depends if it's like, you know, spare money, like you use like pocket money and stuff like that then maybe you could like donate half of it. Uh -huh. But if it's like something for your tuition or something like that, then it becomes more complicated. It becomes more complicated, of course. You can't donate your tuition. But do we all have spare money? Spare money as in money that you have for yourself, that you decide what to do with it. We always do, don't we? We always do. How many of us buy both float after church? or ice cream or you buy something or after school you buy something or school at lunch you have money to buy something how many of us pretty much all of us right 
that money, could you decide that every Friday, my lunch money, I'm going to fast. So I'll use my lunch money to feed another child who doesn't have food the whole week. Right? You had food. You are just skipping just one meal. Another person is not eating the whole week, and you decide, I'm going to skip my lunch. It's $5 that I used to eat, but I'm going to fast and pray for God to heal the brokenness in our world. And I'll take that money and I'll bring it to church for Ecclesia. You know, we still have the Ecclesia thing, right? Where we are actually sponsoring an orphan in where? Rwanda, I think. There's an orphan by the name Oliver. This youth church, we are sponsoring that orphan. And some of you have been giving money to sponsor that boy, 15-year-old boy who lost mom and dad. Okay? So you can say, my $5 lunch on Friday, I'll keep it and I'll bring it to church on Sunday. You are helping the poor. God is going to really like you. Did you know the Bible says, listen, did you know the Bible says, anyone who gives money to the poor is actually lending to God? Did you know the script, there's a scripture that says that? When you give money to the poor, you are lending to God. How many of you will want God to owe you? I want God to owe me because if God owes me, I can get stuff from him. You know, I tell him, hey, God, you owe me, you know. So I need, I need this thing here. You got to do it for me because you owe me. Let's take one last one. Your 18-year-old cousin ended up on the wrong side of the law and in jail. The jail is an hour away and your parents haven't ever let you visit her. She writes you and tells you she's lonely and scared. How many of us had lonely? Show by hand. Tell me, what would you do? Yeah, how would you respond? She's still suffering. She's still human, even though she ended up on the wrong side of the law. Guys, listen. Do you think that everybody in prison is a bad person? No. It's not true. Everybody in prison is not necessarily a bad person. In fact, there are more good people in prison than there are bad people in prison. A lot of people in prison have been framed. The evidence was just against them. There's nobody who was there to defend them. They are thrown into jail. Do you know the Bible that you are reading? A lot of the people who wrote the Bible were in jail. So let's not judge people by what happens to them, okay? Try not to do that. Remember, every human being you see, regardless of the situation they are in, they are made in God's image. And anything you do for another human being, you're actually doing for God, okay? Whether they are Christians or not, whether they are Muslims or Hindus, whether they are atheists or whatever, when you do it for them because they are human beings and you are helping them, God will bless you. And that is why part of this series, we are actually going to do something. We're not just going to sit and talk. We're actually going to do something to help people who are poor. Okay? And so next week we'll talk about what we're going to do. But I want you to put yourself in it when we talk about it. Let's close with this video. John lives on the other side of the world, in a country called the Philippines. 
John is your typical, happy, playful four-year-old boy. He likes to run and play with other kids. He also likes to color. Next year, John will be old enough to go to school. John's mom stays home and cares for her son. John's house wasn't always a house. It used to be a stable for pigs, but you'd never be able to tell. When John's parents needed a place to live, this became their home. His mom keeps it tidy and clean. To John, this is home. John's dad works mainly in construction, but he doesn't always have a job to go to. Sometimes he worries whether he'll be able to feed his family. But today, they get to eat fish and rice. It's one of John's favorites. Early in the morning, John gets ready for preschool. His parents don't have a vehicle, so he and his mom walk all the way to the main road. a local form of transportation. After school, John goes to his local church where he and other kids can get help with their schoolwork. They learn how to keep themselves healthy. They build relationships and learn about God's love for them because God truly loves people, especially the poor. Sometimes we wonder whether God really cares when we see all that's happening in the world. It's such a mess. There's so much need and it's easier to give up, to ignore it and not care, than it is to do something about it. It's easy to think we can't make a difference. I could give a homeless person something to eat and he might be really grateful, but he'll just be hungry again tomorrow. But does that mean that we shouldn't do something? John lives in poverty. It's not because of something he did, and it's not because he's worth less than other people. He might not have enough food to eat, or he might get sick and not be able to afford a doctor. But God cares deeply about John's needs. He loves him, and he wants a relationship with him. God has a heart for the poor. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have a heart for the rich, because we know that poverty isn't just about money. People with money are just a different kind of poor. They suffer from poverty with different symptoms, but the same result, hopelessness. But God has a special spot in his heart for those who are most vulnerable, and he does something about it. God is compassionate, and even when it's hard, He wants us to show compassion to those around us, too. All right, I'm sure you've learned something. Here is a challenge for this week to identify with poverty. You want to feel what people who are poor feel. So I'm challenging everyone, okay? 
including our friends who have joined us today. You're welcome. This challenge is for everyone this week. What's the challenge? All right, the challenge is you're going to take a broken plastic fork and use it as your only eating utensil this week. A broken plastic fork. So you're not using spoon, you're not using fork. I have a plastic fork here. Everyone is going to take one and then I'll leave it for you to decide how you want to break it, okay? You can decide to break one of the fingers or break it into half so that it's very tiny. But break it in a way that you prefer, but still break it in a way that you can still use it to eat, okay? So all of this week, this is what we are going to use. I'm going to take one and break it myself. Mom or dad ask you, what's up with you? Tell them, at youth church, we're identifying with poverty. So we're identifying with someone in some part of the world who doesn't have spoon, who picked up this from the garbage dump, and that's what they used to eat. Do you think that is happening? Yes. It is happening. Okay? So... Here, this is your eating utensil for the week. Like, yep. Break it in the way that you want, okay? Now, the second challenge. Shh, guys, listen. There's two challenges. The second challenge. Are you, are you ready? This week, you're going to sleep on the floor. <laughs> We're going to sleep on the floor. So, here is the deal. Here is the deal. Either you do both of them, or you do one of them. Okay? But you're doing it for the whole week. So, you're sleeping on the floor, or you're using the fork for the whole week. Sleep on the floor for the whole week. Yeah. Yep. Oh, chill. Or use the fork. If you are really up for it, do both. Okay? Like I'm going to do. I'm going to do both. I'm going to sleep on the floor and I'm just going to use the fork. Okay? Are you all excited? Yeah. Let's be on our feet. So next week, We'll be looking at the heart and world changing gospel. We're going to look next week at how God actually brought about the solution to poverty in the world. It's our prayer time. I'm going to thank God for something you see that is wrong, that you think God is fixing in our world. We're going to pray for God to fix something that is wrong in our world that you see today. Okay, you just close and say, God, I think there's something wrong with abortion that they're killing all these babies. Please let something be done about it. That's simple prayer. And then pray for God to help you to care about other people too. That you won't just walk past people. That you will have that care for poor people. Let's close our eyes and pray. Let's pray. Pray yourself and talk to God.
Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Wow. <coughs> Guys, God is here. Okay? And if you will really be serious with these activities we are doing, it's, it's like we're joking. But God every day identifies with poor people. That was exactly what Jesus did when he came to this world and walked on this earth. It wasn't like Jesus didn't have a heaven to stay in. He had everything in heaven, but he came down walked on this dusty road, became like us, identified with us. And he wants you and I to do the same. If you do it, God will bless you. Help us, Jesus, not to think that we are something that we are not. Help us to humble ourselves, to identify with the poor in this world, like you identify with them every passing day. Even right now, you're identifying with someone on some rubbish dump who doesn't have mother or father but Jesus you are standing beside them in their poverty in their loneliness help us to come alongside you in this journey to conquer poverty in our world in the very small way that we also can in the name of Jesus lift up your hands as I pray and bless you may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the eye of the Lord be upon you for good, to protect you in all your ways. As you go back to school from March break, may the Lord himself rest upon you with a spirit of wisdom to make you to excel amongst your peers, that you'll be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. May the Lord fight anyone that will look upon you with an evil spirit. In the name of Jesus, may the blood of Jesus cover and protect you and your whole household from now and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thursday, Zoom Center, join the call. Okay? It's really exciting. Join the call. Shall we share the grace? Shall we share the grace? Now... Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. And this anointing is to identify with poverty, okay? He anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will identify with poverty. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.